0: To be a leader, you also be you also have to be a good follower to know how to run a company you also have to see people run companies, help people run companies so a balanced leader is a better leader for sure it's gonna be harder later than it is earlier. I always thought startup was was gonna to be tough and then as I became you know. Bigger and better, it was going to be easier, and in fact, it's the other way around. The startup period was actually quite easy. <laughs>
1: Hi Genies, welcome to yet another episode of Access Genie, the podcast that opens doors to success in the world of entrepreneurship. We're coming to you live from the Cliffside Boutique Getaway spectacular secluded getaway for business and pleasure right in the heart of Northcliffe. My name is Ansela Numbel, and I'm so excited to bring you a guest today that I've known for years. I've been following on social media, and he's really felt like a personal mentor to me, also because I'm in the media and marketing space. His name is Sylvester Chauke. He's the founder of DNA Brand Architects. Sylvester has not only spearheaded numerous groundbreaking money. marketing and branding initiatives but he's also garnered acclaim as a speaker as well as an advocate in the country around diversity and social change. He's won numerous awards within the space and has a good massive global client list under his shoulders. Sylvester thank you so much for coming today I'm really
0: really excited. What to What a have wonderful this conversation warm with. welcome thank you it's really great to be here.
1: Thank you for having this conversation. You yeah. know I I haven't seen you in a while, but I always watch your content on on, online and see how much you've been winning year after year. I feel like you're one of those entrepreneurs to me who has been consistent. Where I was introduced to you, you were winning today. You're still winning and growing. How do you keep that consistency and growth trajectory in this volatile business landscape? Amazing
0: question. Because when I started my entrepreneurial journey, one of the biggest things I was worried about was, will I be consistent? You know, because there's something about starting something and having uh, the first year that it becomes really successful, and then you then wonder what happens after. So consistency, that word has been very important to me. I respect Mm -hmm. it because I think that's really where um, the real work happens. Mm -hmm. That are you really taking the learnings and utilizing the learnings to be able to build on them more and more as you grow mm. so i was very 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 nervous actually uh, before getting into full-time into entrepreneurship because i d- i was worried about you know would i be consistent in this thing or would i just sort of like i have have like a you know one hit wonder mm-hmm. and um, and I didn't want to be a one-hit wonder, and I didn't want to almost get into a space that I wasn't able to to maintain. So I'm very encouraged by your words around um, consistency. If you feel that it's, mm-hmm. it's been like that, I really appreciate the fact that for me, being able to ensure that year on year I'm better, um, I learn more, um, I do more. Um, And or I do things differently so that I can be a better entrepreneur, a better person, is something that is important to me. So thank you for seeing Mm. that.
1: You know, one of my favorite movies is Race. I don't know if you've watched it before. I really love that movie because the character in the movie is a black guy and they are having a a marathon i think it's like olympics type of type of competition and he would be booed etc because of the color of his skin and he had to teach himself how to only listen and hear that gun go boom signaling him to run and i feel that you've been that kind of entrepreneur i've not seen you try to delve into too many things you've decided i'm a branding and communications expert, and this is my lane, and this is how I'm gonna stay in that lane and win in that lane. What kind of thought process or mindset do you have, or have you had to develop to be able to do that? Because often entrepreneurs have a million ideas, something Mm. new and a a new opportunity comes
0: in every day, but you've seemed
1: to like stick to that
0: particular lane over the years. I think a lot of it will come from maybe the way that I grew up, because I grew up very um, different. I felt different. Um, and I think, you know, growing up and also struggling with my sexuality, also I had to f- be very um, inwardly focused in trying to figure out who I was. So from a an early age, you know that there's something different about you, but you almost also have to walk that journey on your own and understand it and make sense with it. And I think that really helped me a lot because then as I grew older, being able to look within me is something that I think I've learned from when I was little, that even though, you know, the other boys may laugh at me and say, I'm a a CC or make me feel uncomfortable, I still had to be like, but that's, you know, that's me. That's who I am. And still be confident in being able to show up in the way that I wanted to show up. So I'd say that uh, as, as an entrepreneur, you have to have that level of um, self-reflection and understanding because a lot of things shift. Um, A lot of trends happen around you, around your business, around your category. You see people do different things all the time. And if you are not clear about what you want to become, you could easily find yourself moving from all sorts of different you know, paths, and I must tell you, it's not to say that I have not thought about them. You know, sometimes I thought, "Oh, this looks amazing. Can I delve into that?" But is it really my passion? Do I am I good at it? Do I understand this? And would I really be happy waking up and doing this? So, a lot of that has to do with the 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 the, the self reflection. I think that I've had to um, maybe let's say finesse, and I and and I think as I grow older, I'm finding that it's actually an interesting superpower for me because it doesn't matter what people think. Um, as long as I'm clear about what I want to do and I feel completely compelled to wake up every morning and do what I do. That's why even in difficult moments, it's not a, um, a question of whether do I want to work in a different industry or do something else. I love what I do. I was born to do what I do. Um, but it's a matter of being able to, um, tap into and strengthening myself over that period, but not questioning what it is that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can't say there was a button that was, you know, ignited, um, and then all of a sudden that's how I, I, I became, I would say, a lot of factors that have helped me to 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 grow up being resolute about what I want to be and how I want to show up, regardless of what I experience.
1: Yeah, I think we hear a lot about this concept of reaching within and knowing yourself and bringing yourself towards yourself all the time. But sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Like how would you advise a young person, a young entrepreneur, what kind of steps do they need to take to have that self-introspection process to say this is who I am this is what I'm about and nothing else is going to phase me what kind of steps would they take to
0: get there I think I had a, an interesting experience um when I was in my teens because I, I I I journal a lot so I I've kept like lots of journals from when I was young so the one you know the one time where I feel when I'm feeling a bit low I pick up an old journal and just read through it then this one time I picked up an older journal um, and I think I was about 16, 17 and as, when I was writing that. And I was, and, I, I, and I read through that and I was completely shocked as who's this person? Who's this guy? Because it, in, interesting how much I had shifted and how much I had grown. Um, and I think journaling helped me a lot because how else was I going to compare? myself, really? How else was I going to look at what I'm thinking now versus what I used to think before? So when I look at that, I realize, oh my God, I used to think very differently. And maybe um, part of that is just being able to have the gift of going back and reading through something and saying, what was I thinking when I was 19? What was I thinking when I was 18 around this time? And those kind of things, they they, they remind me of just how fluid um, and how important it is to take to pause and look at uh, where you are and be able to figure out exactly truly and honestly um, whether what you are and how you're showing up is truly your, the, you know, the reflection of what you're feeling. But I think the reason why I, I want to go back to that example is also because you also realize that you, you grow and that you change so much. So to a young entrepreneur, it's also not that you'll have it all figured out now, right? Um, it's also just about being able to be authentic and 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 real in where you are there at that moment. That's what you're thinking. That's what you're feeling. But you might actually change your mind in you know if five years later. You think differently because you've had a bit more experience in a particular field or a particular area or subject matter. So I'd say the pressure to say I must have it all figured out now as a young entrepreneur I must know it all is 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 unrealistic. It's unrealistic because that entrepreneurial journey is it almost um, a manifestation of so many different little experiences that make up the bigger picture. So I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur even. I didn't believe I had the skills to become one. And I didn't think that when I look at all the other entrepreneurs around me, they seem to be like those business guys, you know, and I was not that guy. Um, And so I also knew that well, I'm not that guy, but I, I believe in something and I'm going to try as much as I can to explore, you know, that part, you know, of, 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 of my interest, you know, so to speak. So to the young entrepreneur, there's th- cool off on the pressure to have it all figured out because that's just not how it all works out.
1: People always grow and people always evolve and i love that you touch on that because really it also speaks to giving yourself grace sometimes we talk about how Mm. entrepreneurs are some of the most depressed people that we have in the world we've got so much anxiety but sometimes it's some things that we give to ourselves it's self-inflicted because we're trying to compare ourselves to people who have 10 years 20 years over us sometimes and you're putting so much pressure on yourself instead of Mm. just understanding that this is where I am right now and it's okay. Mm. This is my value. It mm. sticks with my philosophy, so mm. let me just move with that. So True. I really appreciate you sharing that. True. I know that when you were growing up, you were into dancing. You still are to to a certain Mm. extent and I think we've got a a lot of similarities you and Mm. I one of the reasons I absolutely (laughs) love you by the time we were 12 we both knew what we're meant to do I knew that I was going to be a storyteller I suppose you're also a storyteller just in different versions of our different kinds of storytelling we both went to UJ shout out to UJ I think leaders are born in UJ absolutely (laughs) especially (laughs) if you're going to be in the media space It's, it's such a gift right having SABC and And Media24 and all of that Mm -hmm. down the road. It's such a massive gift. Uh, How did dancing and all those extracurriculum activities that you did when you were a kid impact your career trajectory and also impact the kind of entrepreneur you are today? Mm -hmm. I ask because I've read before when they say when people dance, something happens in your mindset that shifts how you think. Yes. Do you feel that's true? And how did that play
0: for you? It's so true because... Um, dancing allows you to tap into the emotion, um, your inner self, actually quite extensively. Um, move your body, also be very cognizant and be aware of how your body moves. And good dance studios will have a will have a mirror that you always look at, and you're reflecting. You're trying to think of what you're seeing in your mind, or in your head, and how is it looking? Um, and so I think it dancing helped me to understand my physicality that much more, and just my movement in the world and how I see myself. Because I think a lot of people don't have the the luxury of having a mirror and that, that they look at all the time as they move, as they do silly things, and as they jump, um, etc. And I think that completely influenced the way that I would then show up. Because not only was it really amazing for um, interacting with people, being able to learn new things quickly, challenging yourself with the different ty- types of dance moves and different teachers who teach very differently, the ability to think uh, quickly, to remember uh, things and to remember um, choreography and music and all those things. I think they, they were important, particularly when I moved into advertising, you know, um, uh, especially, because then you also have to think about how does this story, or how does this TV commercial fit in, and all the elements of music, the movement, movement of people, performance—whether it's real or not, whether they're overperforming or underperforming—you um, know those kind of things—it was quite helpful for me, and I am so grateful because I sort of didn't think that it would really be of any help in the corporate world, but um, I suppose for me, there's just the the ability to just understand. My physicality and also the way that I move in the world was quite special.
1: Amazing. And I think... One of the things that it may have done for you, like you mentioned, is growing confidence and being able to communicate and talk to people with understanding who you are already. Mm. One of the fascinating things about your story is how you worked at a call center while you were studying at university and you did odd jobs here and there. Mm. But the most fascinating for me is your Siva story that you put in a pizza box <laughs> and you went to <laughs> deliver. I'm like, that is so amazing. You were able to showcase how creative you are and how you can be memorable over and above. Everybody else would have dropped a CV, but because you brought in a pizza box. That's like interesting, right? How did that idea come about for you? And did you know that it was going to propel your career from that to working with big brands like Nanda's and even being a hotshot
0: at MTV? I wouldn't say I, I knew that it was going to work, but I knew that I needed to do something very different. And I must tell you, it's probably important to um, remember, uh, particularly you mentioned the odd jobs that I worked at. I worked at, at Macro in Woodmead, and I worked at Dion in Santa selling pots and bicycles and all sorts of things. And in retail, and when you work in a shop like that, you learn so much about people, and you learn so much about how to help someone and how to be of use. And if you've got a sales target to meet, I've got to sell X amount of health walkers or twisters or bower pots you know, from mark because that's the way I used to work. Um, you've got to be able to connect with people um, and connecting with people um, sounds deep, but it's actually really about just meeting people where they are and asking them about what, you know, what they need and, and hopefully meet your product um, um, and their need, you know, so they can actually work together. You know, ultimately, that's really the, the, the core thing. So it taught me just respecting the job that I, 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 I'm at. Being at working at Macro, I used to walk into Macro, I used to be proud of working at Macro with my very much shirt. Um, And selling pots, and it was amazing for me as a student. And it's probably you know could it's frowned upon by a lot of young people now, right? Oh, you work at 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 a, you're a waitress, or you work whatever. But actually, those were so foundational for me. The ability to just appreciate a moment and a a job but also being able to learn so much about people and interact with so many people at one uh, at at any given time is such an amazing gift so I suppose when I was looking for a job in advertising after graduating I also I felt that was important to me and if it was so, so important how do I show up you know, and would I email a CV and hope for the best? No, I wouldn't. I would go to the company, right? And of course, creatively, me, you know, being able to get into a company, I've got to, then I pretended to be a, a to, to, to 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 deliver pizza, but it was my way of getting into the office so that I can showcase just how much I want this job and how, I suppose, creative I was. So it was quite helpful, the ability, and I think we all need to respect the jobs we have, respect that it doesn't matter whether you know if you are a cashier now be the best cashier you can be if you're working at macro you do the best thing there and you serve people um because that almost becomes foundational in then how i would then you know grow into my career um and every job was important to me and i took it with that much respect and um and focus
1: mm-hmm. that's really amazing and i think there's so much to learn to that and i I really it really resonates with me because I feel like that's how my career also started to a certain degree. I I wrote for Caxton Community Newspapers. <laughs> Nobody wow. cares about those and yeah. you know people use them when they're moving to cover their glasses <laughs> because they just <laughs> throw them at your gate. But even then I was writing about potholes and I was like I'm going to be the best pothole writer <laughs> that has ever been there. If your dog is barking, I'm the girl to that's call. Correct. I'm going to make sure that I write about it. And just by doing that in about six months or so the founding editor of Forbes lived in Northcliffe and I was writing for that paper and he used to read because he's a huge reader and he used to read my stories and he had to call me up and say listen I've never seen anybody write with so much enthusiasm about potholes before come let's have a conversation and then I ended up being at Forbes meeting the likes of you and other people that I've had the pleasure to to interview so what you're saying is so important just be the best you can be in whatever environment and space that you've been given, because that has a
0: purpose to propel you to the next phase mm. in your life. Completely, completely, completely. completely. And sometimes it's also the, the the discipline that is required to manage a career. You know, it's being able to know that um, I, 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 you've got to just be ready to show up when you are required to do that. And it's not always going to be easy. And it's not always going to be the same. The, ta- the times where you, it's going to be tough to be on the floor um, and you have to be smiling, but you actually have some problems and challenges personally that you need to just kind of, you know, face. But I think it's that discipline that many people, you almost see it as, I want to wait until I get that job, the big job or the best job, or then I'm going to be Great, but it's the discipline to 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 learn that earlier on, because like to your story, if you if you took a, a, your your Kaxton job as a oh, is this you probably wouldn't have be you know you be where you are today. But it's that you took it with the responsibility and the and the respect, and I think that is something that we all need to have in whatever
1: Not every job we are because we have to do that. Talking about being able to manage your career, how did you then know it was time to move? You had this great job at MTV, rubbing shoulders with the who's and who's who, got salary, everything is comfortable. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to go to the biggest discomfort I can ever give to myself, which is entrepreneurship. (laughs) How did you know it was time
0: to do it? And what did you do to prepare for that jump? My goodness, like I said earlier, I wasn't sure that I would be an entrepreneur in this way. I knew that I was going to be a good businessman, working in a company, etc. But entrepreneur was like a big bungee jump for me. And you know, remember that voice that we spoke about earlier—that inner voice that you have internally. You know, that that says, "You, you got." To, to offer the world something. you got to offer your country something. You're going to offer people something. And I knew that as I was growing up and working in different companies, I was learning so many different things about how people run uh, businesses, how people treat uh, their staff, um, and how they, you know, the, kind of the values that they, are, you know, that they amplify within those businesses. And I had in my own mind what I would do differently or, what I would like to do. I think that was really where it really started happening, where I thought, oh, actually, if I started a business, I started talking like that. If I started a business, I would do it like this. If I ran this uh, this meeting, I would run it like this because I was almost preparing, in a way, for that, you know, that bungee jump. Um, how did I prepare for it? Do you prepare for it, Reno? I mean, I... Because remember, going into entrepreneurship, you absolutely have no idea. All you... I mean at the time for me it was I knew what I wanted to to deliver for clients, how I would do how it would be differentiated. Um, and also maybe utilizing my skill set from where I'd come from in, in my whole history in terms of my career to be able to infuse it in that area. But other than that, um, you know you have nothing you have you, have, you, have, you can't prove anything. Um, you know and I think you just have to be ready to know that you are walking into like you say, the most uncomfortable time of your life because every day you are building something completely new that no one else has has done or at least you want to be able to test um, and this is how I actually managed to convince myself back then I say I have a hypothesis and I want to test it and I want to see whether it's going to be true or not and over time I was just testing the hypothesis and, and year on year it seemed to work And seem to be working still.
1: I think coming up with a business idea could be probably one of the easiest things to do, right? But I think one of the most difficult things, because I've found myself also struggling with this and people around me struggling with this, is believing that for sure, for sure, I can do it. Because you can come up with 20 ideas. But if that belief is not strong enough, that's why I suppose some go as far as saying we've got 95% of businesses that are open every year that fail. Yeah. So yeah. if that belief is not strong enough, you'll find it difficult to, to, to succeed. Through the first year, and more so, it would even be more difficult to even scale up or survive five years or above and beyond five years. How did you nurture that belief in yourself, even when days are dark and it feels difficult? You're like, I can
0: do. It"? Hmm. I mean, what you're mentioning around belief is everything, right? Because um, belief it almost propels your energy, and it almost. Uh, powers up your 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 um your dream in a way, right? Because ultimately you need customers that want to buy what you are offering. So that's that that's quite important. But I would even say take it one step uh, further and say, I remember the one day I woke up because I had re- I had designed at MTV and then I was going to start my first day um at DNA Brand Architects. My first day, I woke up in the morning. And I was depressed. Why was I depressed? Because I'm waking up this morning. I, yesterday, I was the director of marketing and communications at MTV Network. So I am able to pick up a phone and call someone in the role. But today, I'm actually like around I run an agency that no one knows, that's done no work for, for, for anybody. And so I struggled. I felt I needed to re reintroduce myself to myself again. Because I had known myself based on the titles or the job that I, you know, that I was work that I was doing. And that was not who I was. So I, I struggled. I was, I was, I had to work hard in, I, you're not MTV. You are Sylvester Chowkin. So introduce yourself to a meeting. So we go to a meeting and then my first day of work, I go to a meeting um, and everybody is in the room and they say, well, uh, we must all introduce ourselves. So I say, my name is Sylvester. I'm from DNA Brand Architect. They're like, who's DNA Brand Architect? I was like, oh, it's, an, it's an agency. An, uh, how old have you been? Literally, it's been like a day. Just started. So already, as you can see, this repositioning that requires you to have not only a belief in your business, but you've got to believe in yourself because you are you are walking into a space that you haven't walked before and you don't have the credentials, the credibility as a business person, you have the credential. Uh, as, a, and, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a marketing person, and in companies, you know, from where I came from, but I had to really start believing in in, in Sly again, um, and re- and reintroduce myself to myself as, um, yes, now you are a nobody, so to speak, but you are going to build something that will then gain you credibility into the future. So, uh, believe in self believe in your business. But I think sometimes you can change your business direction. But if you believe in self, you, it doesn't matter which business direction you go, you should be okay in believing in the skills that you have. Um, and I'd say one of the things that I've seen as well that, was th- that, that that is a challenge is that a lot of people, you know, believe in the ideas or the business idea, right? Um, but the business idea must also be backed up by the experience, by the knowledge and all those things that are that allow you to be able to really walk into a space and then build that business. Are you with me? So for me, you know, it was it was I was going to a space that I'd worked in, I'd understood. Um, I was not it was not my first time, you know, on the radio with regards to branding and marketing because I had come from many years of that. So it's just belief in, in self is it has to be like the one button that you press in the morning when you wake up. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think just believing in self especially coming from a society like ours where you are literally taught to shrink yourself because you got to be respectful, you got to be quiet, don't look people in the eye, don't be too loud. It's like the, from the moment we're born we're just being shrunken as as every day passes. How did you manage to come out of that and how would you advise ad- entrepreneurs to be able to do that because I was imagining you in that room where people were like oh who is DNA Brain architects what is it about and like it's already a minus the moment that question comes up you're becoming smaller another one comes you become smaller and smaller and smaller so how would you advise entrepreneurs actually get to a Mindset that allows them to still have that belief, even though they've been taught otherwise, and you've been asked tough questions that make you feel
0: small. Hmm. I'd say you know two things. One is you almost have to expect that there's going to be a war. You know, as an entrepreneur, you 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 can't walk into a space and think I'm gonna just have a, a wonderful launch of a new company and then the rest will be history. You must be prepared. For war, and that means that you must be prepared to be uncomfortable, to be questioned, to be belittled in spaces, not to be respected. Um, but it almost comes with the territory of building something new. People will think you're mad or crazy, or you're just flexing, or you actually are smoking your socks. So I think by preparing for 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 war, there are certain things you're good to do. Right, you go. To, you you have to understand that if you're prepared for something, you you know when it happens, you go. Ah, okay, I see you because I was expecting this kind of question or I was expecting this kind of belief. That's on the first bit. We have to be be ready to walk into a place and and fight. The second thing is you've got to be good. You have to be so good that actually that question was so irrelevant, right? Because ultimately it's going to be about what it is that you are going to deliver for that particular client. So in that example, I had to go back with one of the best strategies that I had written because I wanted to show them that I'm, I'm worthy to be, um, you know, right in this room and that I deserve their time. So I'd say those two things are, are, are critical um, for, for any entrepreneur. And it actually doesn't really matter how many years you've been in business. You've got to be ready to face the truth and face the war and do what you got to do, but you also have to continue to be really brilliant at what mm-hmm. you do.
1: I think it, it brings me to this point of how we're the authors of our own stories and our own journeys. So just because somebody does not believe in you in a space doesn't mean they won't believe in you. You can convince and change people's minds in the room, in its preparation. And I think one of the key things I normally see with young entrepreneurs is not even understanding their own businesses or what their businesses are about. That's why a lot of people talk about this elevator pitches that somebody should be able to wake you up now. You need to be quickly able to say, this is my business, this is what it's about, this is how I can help you, and this is what makes us different. But sometimes we get into this rat of just doing the job in the business that we forget what the business in itself is about and what it's meant to do that can help us show up in spaces better and, and more convincingly. Absolutely. And with, with DNA Brand Architects, I know that one of your goals is to help brands in Africa become like top 500 brands in the world. How are you guys doing that and how has been the journey so far?
0: I mean the world is in an interesting space right now. Um, You can see that Africa certainly is starting to not only take its place in the world but it's starting to to add value to the world a lot more Um, and I think yes we've been doing it you know um, in many different pockets um, even in technology and fashion and music and and art and all those key things and content Um, but I think that the realization around the world is that you know it is definitely Africa's time, and I know that we've said it for so many years, right? Um, but now you are starting to see that Africa is really, really uh, playing at a, at, a, at a level that it can absolutely now really you know start cashing in on its brilliance. And so I see it now, right with um, a lot of uh, brands that we work with who not only see Africa as a great opportunity, but as almost a game changer for their own businesses, global businesses and content in the music space and television space. We're seeing business in FMCG that are really moving into the continent with, with that much more refined awareness on what they need to do. But for us, and for where my passion is, is really around African brands, for sure. Not just taking African ideas, but like, Really, being able to build brands that are African um, and that are um, African um, and that are rooted in our in our in our in our continent and are amplifying and are used around the world. For me, it's a, it's a passion because currently, I'm, as, as you know, um, there isn't one African brand on the top 500 listed companies in the world uh, because we are a consuming nation. And I think what we need to do is really try as much as possible to um, you know invest in building our own brands or at least amplify and, 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 and um, um, improving. So we are focused on a lot of those kind of brands. Um, uh, we have a big stronghold on, on big global international brands that we support on the continent um, to be relevant. But we also have a, a number of brands that we are really investing quite heavily on ensuring that they really do grow um, and listing them in different spaces and ensuring that they get a, a, a good clientele. Is it going to be something we're going to fix and solve in two minutes? No, it's not. Because I think credibility, uh, route to market, building of those brands. Build, brands building takes time. Many of the mega brands are have been around for centuries, for for decades, for hundreds of years. And I think we we, we are starting to see that there's appetite for the world to see African brands not only as just creative, but actually as brands they they, they love they will use in their homes every single day mm-hmm. so yeah we are in there uh, every single day trying to ensure that mm-hmm. that happens
1: what's stopping a lot of our brands for going after that spot in top 500 companies
0: scale scale the biggest thing is scale for us if you think about it um just even in the even just on the continent amongst us as as um, you know, nations, neighbouring nations, trading amongst each other, supporting each other. There is a a big lag um, that has resulted in many of our consumers in Africa are uh, seeing international brands as better than local brands. Because if you think about it, I mean, uh, we are big enough as a continent to support our own brands and build them and make them great. Um, but I think there's a a shift, though. I mean that that's happening now with regards to an appreciation for locally manufactured products and services that we are now really pushing and punting and m- amplifying them um, you know, ar- around the world. Um, it's a job that will happen, I think, the more integrated we get. That's why I was quite excited about, um, you know, Briggs, the Briggs conversation and what's happening in the, on the Global South, ensuring that there's that element of us being able to... Um, amplify and nurture our own businesses and industries within the region so that we can grow. So we're not just dependent on what's happening in the U.S. or what's happening in the U.K. Yeah. Mm.
1: But growth also comes with a lot of patience, right? Because you scale too early, you may burn. Scale too late, you may be left by the train. I mean, BlackBerry is a great Mm. example of that. (laughs) How do you balance that ambition and patience to know exactly when the time is right to scale or
0: grow? Hmm. I think that in any business, there, there's a time where you know that if, if you don't open the floodgates, you are going to miss out on massive opportunities. So sometimes it really is about systems to be able to deliver the scale that is required for growth um, and the know-how and the support to be able to amplify and ensure that you are structured in a way that is able to manage the work. Because, like, even in, when it comes to DNA, the work we are doing now is massive in comparison to the work we used to do, you know, before. But in order for us to do the work that we're doing now, we needed to have the right. Um, things in place in order for us to be able to be able to deliver that work.
1: Mm. So what kind of things are those that you need to have in place to do the oh kind of work goodness, that? Oh my goodness, there's quite do. a
0: lot. So I mean year a business in year one and a, a business in year ten are two very different things. In year one, I guess, you know, you could really one man band, leader can whatever, but as you grow you need to be able to get Expertise, the right resources, the right people in your team to help you. So, I can't do everything. You know, year one, I could definitely be the HR manager, the IT person, the producer, but the CEO and everything. But of course, now we're going to have to have, you know, expertise and structures in place to ensure that that happens. You have to comply. This is hard for a lot of businesses, particularly small businesses. The, the you know um, your tax matters, um, your 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 policies in in company. The one year we woke up in year five, we realized, oh my god, we have like twenty eight policies, two tw- 20, I mean, new policies that we've had to put in place in the business in order to manage the business because the numbers of people that you have in the organization it requires that there are policies in place to manage those things, and then you get into you know sophisticated sort of areas and spaces around software, reporting, um, you know, payroll, you know, the, the way that you manage your business has to has, has to grow. So what I've done, it you know, personally for me, is being able to learn from businesses ahead of me, but also be able to really walk and ask a lot of questions from people that operate on a daily basis. Because ultimately, that balance between what is your experience versus the experience that you read, are going to be two very different things so you have to be very again listening in to your business to know what is needed at a particular time so there's so many you know um um areas of of compliance for an example that are required for a business that reaches you know once you go 50 million rand Plus, in South Africa, your reporting structure is different. When you go much higher than that, then you've got to have the auditors in place. You know, so many other things that many young businesses and young owners, that's where they trip uh, because they don't want to – they haven't learned the, the basic requirements as they grew their businesses. So almost now, all of a sudden, they have to operate their business differently. And that then changes the culture of the organization, changes their way to market, and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a dance,
1: it's a dance. I really love that. What does success mean to you today and how has that definition for you evolved over the years?
0: Wow, what an amazing question. Um, there's definitely been an evolution. Um, right now what's important for me is really if I've set up a goal and what I wanted to achieve and I achieve it, that's success, you know, for me. Um I think for a long time success was really based on i suppose um what the world identifies as as being successful but over time as I grew there's nothing that gives me more more pleasure than you know growing people for me growing myself you know being a better person being a better human um knowing more things um, because I, I'm interested I'm inquisitive in learning new things and in fact driving here I was I was having a conversation with the, uh, my finance director and, and I was just saying wow it's amazing how even after so many years I still have this excitement after i to 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 a client meeting and I, I'm still like that young kid who's like oh I'm so looking forward to working on this job and and it might I might be disappointed in the next four weeks but now, right now, I'm still very grateful for that moment. And I'm, I'm embracing that moment. I'm not jaded. I'm, I'm still very much excited about the opportunity. So success is just meeting what you've set out to meet. And for me, that has just made me so much more um, relaxed about what I need to do. Um, because, in, because, because personally, for me, I know I'm successful because I'm meeting what I've set out to meet. It's not financial. It's not what I have. It's what I do. And it's how I do it with the people that I do it with.
1: And what has, what was your worst day in business? If you
0: can tell me a story about that and,
1: and how you were able to sort of overcome it.
0: Mm. I've had so many worst days. But I think um, one that maybe tops it is you. when you start a business, you, you, you do your level best to deliver a reputation uh, for what you do and how you do it. So we had this massive client. We did phenomenal work with the client, absolutely loves the work. We love the client, but at a, let's call it in heaven, the decisions that are being made at a global level require that the client needs to change agencies or relook agencies and and actually merge agencies with the global network which meant that we're not a global network we had to be unfortunately you know um sent a letter to taste to say that our contract will be ending this was a big client number one number two client we loved and we got along very you know very well between us and them and the work we, we were doing with them was phenomenal and so I get a call to say, "Listen, this this thing that's just happened. We need to have a conversation." So I have a conversation, and at the end of the call, I'm shattered because not only for myself, but I think for the team, for the for the people that you work with, right? You, they they've invested years in this relationship. Um, they've invested so much time in building this whole thing. And it was a, and there was a, a real repercussion for our finances, right? Because we then have to, our revenues was going to be completely, um, um, you know, messed up, and and also the prestige of working for this particular client, because it really helped us to walk into so many different um, spaces. And that was the first time um, I had to go back to the office to tell my team that we are losing a big client, and not because of anything they did, not because of what we lacked. But just because the system requires it to be so. There's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing. You just have to accept it. And just like that, your opportunity is yanked out of your feet without you knowing about it and or be prepared for it. That was the worst day for me because I realized then that the world is not fair. The world is not always going to be fair. Sometimes you are going to get those calls that are completely, completely surprising that you didn't plan for. But as an entrepreneur, you've got to think about where to next. That was absolutely a devastating thing to do. Mm.
1: Sure. And how did you overcome that and manage to keep the team morale going to be able to st- still keep growing and building the business?
0: Mm. Thankfully, inherently, I have this hopeful energy, right? So I'm always going to walk into the office with hope in hand to make sure that I really, you know, I I show up um, and I, I don't want to be defeated by this particular moment. We decided to focus our efforts in, of course, how do we try to replace that particular client and how do we How do we put ourselves out there to showcase that we are looking for a client in this area? So we did quite a bit of work there. Um, New business drive, engaging with people. You are literally waking up every day. Uh, You're not sleeping well because you're worried but you have to kind of get in there and get into those rooms. And I must tell you that months later, it it took a while, but um, months later we had found a replacement for that uh, business Um, and it was better than the business that we actually had left. So there was also when we got the call for the new business um myself and Vincent we were in the car you know had flown back from Cape Town on 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 a, on a project and we got out of the plane then I got the call then we got in the car and we started crying we were crying so much because we were being, we were being vindicated for something that had for many months been such a sore point and and, uh, and a and a and a hurtful sort of experience your team must believe in you as a leader. And it's also, in, believing in you is not because you are the leader, but believing in you because you have the values that they appreciate and that they um, want to emulate. And I think for me, being able to manage that time was also about, geez, even in those times, did not change who I was, did not become anything I wasn't. Um, I was still as positive as ever with the challenges. Um, and I think they, they, the the team just felt like they, they could also be positive. Um, and it's because good leadership is not when things are good. It's actually really when things are bad. And that's when you have to show up.
1: Yeah. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, leading in tough times becomes difficult because you might be depressed and stressed out and then you have to show up with the smile and positivity in the yeah. office, no matter what's going on um, in your team. What are some of your key leadership values that help you manage your team and your business in a more efficient and productive way?
0: Mm. I think everybody deserves a really good leader. And I've been very blessed to have had incredible men and women who have been my leaders over time. And I learned so much from how they led me. Um, And I think I'm very grateful for that. And because of that, I've vowed to be a good leader. I want to be a good leader for my team. And everybody deserves a good leader. Everybody deserves someone that will help them be better. I think that's quite critical. So because of that, I'm very intentional about my downtime and what I need to do in order for me to be a happy person, to be a happy Sylvester. So happy Sylvester is Sylvester that um, loves music. So I listen to a lot of music. I go to market, You know, I go to to play Bramfontein or whatever the market is, I'm there. Um, I absolutely love movies and content. I love reading stories about people. I love reading nonfiction and fiction and just being immersed in things that inspire me. Um, I think that always helps me because by the time I get to the office, I'm not going to the office. Office is not my hobby. Um, You know, I have a lot of spaces and areas where I get inspired. And I go into the office to share that inspiration with you know with, with with my team. So in the initial stages, I struggled with that. I really struggled. I was one of those that worked on Saturday morning till night, and maybe go out in the evening. I was just like always working, always worried about the business, and always you know focused in growing, um, you know what we have. But I think over time, I've been so much more intentional about time for self, time for reflection, um, time to pause. Um, So I look forward to going home on a Friday afternoon after work and just sit and sit in the garden and do absolutely nothing and play with the dogs um, and watch something mindless. Um, You know, it's just one of those things that one needs to have because a balanced leader is a better leader for sure. For sure.
1: Um, I, I see this podcast a lot as some sort of masterclass for entrepreneurs and people wanna be leaders, whether they're leading themselves or they're leading teams. So I wanna throw in a, a case study for you and I'll use your, your industry as an example. Say there's a young man who just graduated from marketing school and they want to start a branding agency similar to DNA brand architects. How would you advise the guy about it to ensure that they they succeed?
0: Ooh, mm. that's a tricky one. Um. I'll use my own experience as a um, in, as a base to answer this question. And I'm not saying that this is, is going to be relevant for everybody, but I think there are people that will understand what I'm saying. To be a leader, you also be, you also have to be a good follower. To know how to run a company, you also have to see people run companies. Help people run companies. So for me, I am a I'm a I am an advocate for, before you can start it, work in a space like that. So I really believe that um, working in a shop, working in a company, helping people, seeing how people run things, will make you a much better entrepreneur than just walking into a place for the first time and starting something that you had never worked in. The gaps are, 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 are intense if you don't have um, you know the background, the necessary experience or exposure to be able to do what you gotta do. So I'll say, if you can, young person, I think that's my camera there. If you can learn from others, learn from companies that you that you believe do what you want to do the best. If you don't, if it's a completely new idea, um, still leadership. And learning how to run a business is 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 something that, um, you you can, you can refine by seeing how other people do it.
1: For sure, I think that's really powerful and impactful because. I've had to learn the hard way as an (laughs) entrepreneur in my space because I come from a journalism background. It's very different. The newsroom is different from the corporate world or trying to run a business. So I've had to (laughs) almost die and rise up over and (laughs) over. And for me, what has really helped is finding people who have the skill sets that I lack and learn from them Mm. or even calling people up and saying, can I come and spend a week to see what you guys do in the space and how you approach things. For example, I never understood things like customer service or user experience because as a journalist, that's not something Mm. that we work with at all. But Mm. then because now I'm in a space where I need to think about customers and how they experience a particular product, then I have to sort of open my mind towards Mm. that. So what we're saying is really important and really critical. Absolutely agree.
0: I, I I got burned number of times. I can absolutely <laughs> imagine because because also there's a lot that happens and a lot of uh, of things that change. There's almost like the technical things that you can learn, you know. Um, but there's also like the not so technical things that are, are about humanity, people, leadership. And some people are very lucky to experience good leaders and they can emulate those things. But some people work in toxic environments. They don't know what a good leader is, so they start a business. And I mean, look at what's happened to Uber. And I mean, many businesses we can call um, and or we, we can name globally who, just because of bad leadership, they end up being a disaster because there just isn't really a good foundation. There's technical know-how, but there isn't leadership know-how. And that's really where I think learning from people who are who are your 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 um, your, your torchbearers, I suppose, of what leadership standard is it's 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 so critical it's very very it's it, it's a life changing experience
1: mm-hmm. so we'd like to end this podcast with what we call fast five so it's five questions that you need to answer in one word ah, or say okay, bring it on one word or a sentence what's the best book that you would advise every
0: entrepreneur to read it's not an entrepreneurial book but it's called seat of the soul by gary Zukov. it's about just the the you know what's inside you, who who you are, um, and that you're more than just what you think. It changed my life in the way I see myself and I see my place in the world. Great book.
1: What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started your business?
0: It's going to be harder later than it is earlier. I always thought startup was, was going to be tough. And then as I became, you know, uh, bigger and better, it was going to be easier. And in fact, it's the other way around. The startup period was actually quite easy. The hard job is sustaining a business is harder. Growing it, scaling it, maintaining it is so much harder. That shift, I wish I knew that.
1: That's, that's really powerful. I really, really love that. And what do you do to recharge yourself? One thing you do to recharge
0: one thing Jesus. Mm. I've got so many I'll just go music music mm. yeah as a dancer. yeah music yeah,
1: mm. yeah. it feeds your soul like all I see on social media you and your team tap dancing it's and all of that it's the thing <laughs> it's really really beautiful <laughs> what's one thing that you've had to unlearn
0: that I always have to have the answer for everything that's, that's a challenging thing because when you're an entrepreneur, people look up to you or business leader, people look up to you, they want a solution, they want an answer. And I, for, for a long time, I found that I, I've also felt like I always needed to have the answer. So I'll work throughout the night to have the answer or I'll work throughout the whole weekend to have the answer or I will cancel my, my dinner plans so that I can have the answer tomorrow morning. Um, I've learned to not have all the answers it's okay and i've also learned to delegate much m- much better mm. Mm. and
1: branding tip that every entrepreneur should know
0: have a style that is only you know that is uh, that represents you the most how you want your company to smell when, pe- when you, people walk into your office what do they smell um mm. what music do you know is is played in your office if there's any Um, how do where do people sit have a style that when people walk into your place they go this is different this is new this is um, this reflects them so when you walk into our office many times it feels like us feels like feels like the business that we wanted to build so that's a a branding tip that many people Mm -hmm. think branding logo you know website etc but how you show up is also everything Um, your front of house your office Mm -hmm. that's a serious part of um, branding.
1: Jimmy, as you've heard it from the king of branding himself, have a style that represents you and represents who you are. Thank you so much, Sylvester, for being here. Absolutely appreciate it. I hope you'll come back and join us another time. It's so much to I still know, talk we have to you so about, much talk like, about time. It, no. They keep on saying time, time, time. And I'm like, I'm not through with my questions. But oh, wow. hopefully you'll be able to come again when I call and bug you <laughs> for the
0: conversations. Thank you, thank you. Thank also you. From, from my end, thank you. Thank you for, yeah. for this opportunity. Um, but also thank you for representing for mm. representing black women so well. Um, and being completely resolute about what you want to do as a storyteller. Um, and I really know, in fact, I don't hope, I know that um, the continent will, will embrace that. Yeah. Um, and may you continue to grow.
1: Oh, thank you for pouring into my cup. She's going to make me cry pouring into my cup. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Now I'm going to cry. Let's start before I cry. <laughs> thank you so much, <laughs>